0: program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon,
1: everybody. Let's uh, start out with some, uh, some inspiration. Strength does not come from winning. Your struggle develops your strengths. When you go through hardships and decide not to stren- surrender, that is strength. That's a guy who knows a little bit about strength, Arnold Schwarzenegger. The world breaks everyone, and afterwards, some are strong at the broken pra- places. Ernest Hemingway, they, the world broke him hard. I believe in being strong when everyone seems to be going, everything seems to be going wrong. I believe the happy girls are the prettiest girls. I believe that tomorrow is another day. And I believe in miracles, Audrey Hepburn. Life is very interesting. In the end, some of your greatest pains become your greatest strengths. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and, you know, as we always talk about on this show, uh, there is uh, uh, quite a bit of information that you can get from us, but, uh, you know, we always talk about our webpage. So if you go to whk1420, go to local podcasts, go down to Smart & Investor Show, Tim Hayes. You go right to my webpage, so you can just hit the contact me or email me. Uh, you know, I'm going to talk about a little bit more about Mark Mahaney today, uh, and and his group, Mark Hedberg, uh, Matt Hedberg. I'm sorry, who handles the software? Remember, we were on software three, four years ago when it really started to take off, and we we pleaded with people to get this report, and nobody did. Uh, maybe three people. Uh, and the, the software stocks have never looked back. And uh, so Matt and Mark are two of the best analysts on the planet. And I just, I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, are all there for you. Uh, also, uh, savvy credit. Can interest rates go any lower? What a time to borrow money. What a time to borrow money. Okay. The, the major the major companies out there are borrowing. They're making they're doing huge borrowing deals. You think their CFOs know better? <laughs> That's all I gotta say. So the savvy credit investors handbook. The wealth plan. Oh boy, I tell you what, this, this is the time to get that one of those started. The family inventory workbook. You know, after what just happened, isn't it? Time to get your financial ducks in a row. And then the Business Owner's Guide to Transition. I highly recommend all that. All right? So uh, uh, there we go. Uh, You know, today is D-Day. And uh, I just can't tell you how important uh, that is to me. Uh, We lost a lot of uh, lives that day. And, uh, you know, there were American, Irish, English, Australian, there was a whole bunch of them. So, hey, look, we've been talking about uh, growth versus value for a long, long time, and uh, (laughs) I was a year early. (laughs) I just, you know, I I never said to go over to value. I just said keep keep paying attention. And in the last week or so, um, you know, we've seen uh, more or less, uh, more quite a bit of that uh, starting to occur. Okay, so. uh, you know just you know based on what we're seeing uh i think you know you got to pay you know kind of attention to it because in the last 2 weeks that's what's been moving the market okay so uh you know pay attention uh i i can't tell you how much uh it's how important it is uh you know to be be thinking about stuff like that because uh believe it or not uh you know it's it's something that i think everybody has to uh pay close attention to uh it it could be a big 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 move and um you know you you just you just want to uh pay <laughs> pay attention to it let's put it that way all right so uh one of the things that we've been seeing here um is that we've had some painful economic experiences which are unsurprising you know some of the best times to allocate market uh, capital to the to the equity markets by the way and look i said don't get too bearish and i said this in in 2018 the day the day before christmas you know we had a show and and we talked about it and we said don't get too bearish don't get too bearish And then we suggested that the bottom was, you know, pretty close to a place, uh, you know, somewhere around the March twenty fourth, twenty third area. So, look, uh, Friday was amazing. The employment numbers came out, and uh, you know, they're very good contrary indicator of future returns. By the way, so when the employment data goes down, it goes down big. The other thing you got to understand is when it goes up, especially temporary workers, when they go up at a certain degree. There's a big move coming. Okay, so uh, look, when unemployment sits at 14.7 percent at the end of April, and then it you have a big number like it did in May, that's that's usually in, an important inflection point. Okay, so there is a silver lining when when un, un, unemployment gets to high levels. Usually, that is you know your uh, it's it's flashing a bottom. The other thing is you know look, we have some recessionary levels in the ISM manufacturing. Index, and uh, you know we're at a pretty low level at this point. We're not down where we were in like uh, two, you know, nineteen seventy-eight or nineteen seventy-four, or even two thousand eight. But it is, you know, when we get down here, you got to pay closer attention because if it turns, it's going to turn big. Okay, so we just uh, suggest that. Now, uh, there are a couple things that we did notice, and and I think these are pretty important because. What we're seeing is, uh, you know, a a scenario where uh, there's a lot of changes going on, (laughs) Uh, a a lot of changes going on, and and especially in energy. Um, And I'm going to talk about that in a second. Uh, But, look, uh, this is a live show, so I have to give you our phone number, right? Uh, 216-901-0945. So if you've got a question, you call in here. It's 216-901-0945. I'll remember that uh, someday. But one of the things that happened this week technically is, remember, I talked about a uh, a rat's tail, which is a you know not-so-technical term in the charting business, where you have a long, drawn-out tail on high volume, and then you, you close near the… Uh, the higher the next day you close near the high.
0: And uh,
1: you know, so it's a, it's usually a bottoming formation. I said that about oil the day we were down forty bucks, uh, actually negative forty bucks. And, and not only have we had this rat's tail, but on Friday, I believe we broke in to the the big drop, the gap that occurred when Saudi Arabia and Russia started playing you know a uh, patty cake with each other, okay? Now, one of the things Kurt Halland is our—he's uh, co-head of our energy uh, research. He talked about this week was international rig count continues continues to roll over, and what we're starting to see is uh, like the Baker Hughes international rig count dropped 12 percent or 109 rigs in April, and it's getting bigger. Uh, I mean, Algeria was down 19, Venezuela is down 15. Uh, Iraq, I'm sorry. Iraq was down 19. Algeria was down 15. Venezuela was down 12. Saudi Arabia was even down 8. Uh, some of the largest offshore stuff was like Angola, uh, the United Arab immigrants, and Mexico down 4. So we're starting to see a, a break in drill, 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 which may be bullish for uh, you know most of the the things that we're talking about out there. Okay, so uh, we'll just leave that. Uh, go now. There's a couple other things that we want to talk about, and that is, look, a lot of people don't understand equities. They, they get frightened of them at the wrong time. And look, I, I said to start raising cash on this show at the end of January and February, and all I was doing was following the bullish percent, and that's what I, you know, you dance with a girl that brought you to the dance. But you got to understand, it ain't the end of the world when you have a, a sell-off like that. It's an opportunity. It is an opportunity. Now, look, as a result of the global pandemic, stocks have recently underperformed government bonds. While the underperformance is it's not uncommon over a one-year period, its chances of occurring diminishes significantly as holding period lengthens. OK? So one year, it's a 67% chance that stocks will outperform bonds. In five years, it's a 74%. In 10 years, it's an 82 percent. In 20 years, it's 100 percent. So U.S. stocks have outperformed intermediate U.S. government bonds about two thirds of the time over a one-year period during the last 70 years. But stocks have been beaten uh, have beaten bonds in every 20-year rolling period. So the standard deviations of stock or for stocks is almost three times larger for stocks than for bonds over one-year intervals. All right. So while the standard deviation is nearly equal over the 20 year rolling period. So, you know, stocks may be more volatile and underperform barns in any given year. They're much more likely to outperform in the long term. It's not simple. OK, so uh, that's something that you have to pay uh, uh, particular attention to. I, I think, you know, in, in my opinion. Uh, so. You know, look. Uh, there's a couple other things that I think that are really, uh, really interesting coming up here, and <laughs> I just lost my place. Hold on one second. Uh, well, look. Uh, here's a couple of financial facts that I just saw. International students contributed to 445 billion to the U.S. economy in 2008. That was the U.S. Department of Commerce. So there's a place for immigration. In March, nationwide sales of bicycles, equipment, and repair services nearly doubled compared with the same period last year. So people are getting out and riding bicycles. I think that's great. The Fortune 500 companies that made this year's list represent two-thirds of the U.S. economy, $14 trillion in revenue. That's pretty significant as far as I'm concerned. Now, I guess the question is, how low can rates go? <laughs> uh, <laughs> look. You know, Bob Dickey stated uh, a lot a week ago, he said the market continues to rise uh, in spite of ongoing negative news. The cumulative opinion, which is the whole market itself, is a better indicator of where the market and the business may be headed. In short, I think a lot of clients are going to be buying cars soon. I think consumers have pent-up energy and are itchy for the new car smell. Uh, Maybe they're going to move out of the city because they don't like the city anymore, you know, and I'll just say this, this is a time for credit. Now you don't want to go crazy. Okay. But you want to pay attention. And, and, you know, I think a a lot of people are stepping back and saying, you know, Hey, you know, should, should we, or shouldn't we type of scenario. And I think that, uh, you know, in my opinion, what you want to be talking about here is taking a look at the Savvy Investor's Credit Handbook. And uh, I highly recommend it simply because, uh, you know, look, we're in a situation now that uh, I think will be, uh, you know, an an opportunity, and it'll be a big opportunity uh, coming up here tomorrow. And uh, look, there's times to, you know, to, to not borrow, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's uh, an opportunity here. Let's put it this way: so, I you know, I don't talk about bar- borrowing very often, but uh, uh, I think it's important that you know the yield curve is is right now in your favor. You know, I was looking at uh, Lori Kalsavina, uh Calvina, uh, I'm sorry. He's, she's head of our U.S. strategy, and she talked about the uh, the earnings. Uh, so she's kind of wrapping up the second quarter or the first quarter. And I think the big things she, she mentioned were, number one, the rate of downward revisions is starting to improve. So it fell 8% in mid-April and uh, below 10% low watermark, by the way, seen past recessions. This indicator rose 35% as June began. Now that may be too much, but who knows? But, you know. So the trend we see in this indicator mimics what we're seeing in a number of industrial relate, uh, related indicators, like the ISM and and the regional Fed surveys and stuff like that. You know, uh, surveys are on manufacturing, by the way. Uh, Capex, unemployment or employment, I should say. And and the second thing is she thinks that 2020 estimates may have been cut enough, but she thinks 2021 estimates forecast seem a little bit still a little bit aggressive. So, you know, you, you don't want to go hog wild here is what I think she's saying. So if, if they start to cut those, uh things will change very, very quickly. Now, if she lowered her twenty twenty and twenty one uh twenty twenty one estimates to one twenty six and one twenty uh, one forty nine. Uh that's cut kind of about seven percent for twenty twenty and three percent for twenty twenty one. So it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, you, where where we go from there okay so look i think what's important here is that uh what we're looking at is the S&P 500 uh the companies reported by size we've had about 90% of the people uh out there report and there's been some solid beats now the problem is is nobody's willing to give uh uh guidance further because of what's going on obviously But we did beat consensus on earnings per share and also sales. That's very important. Uh, So, look, I think, you know, what you're going to see is the recent trends in consensus expectations for the S&P. I think the earnings sentiment is starting to improve. And that's one of the, you know, favorite ways to gauge uh, sentiment, you know, turnarounds, is looking at the percent of sell-side analysts. You know, what their earnings per share revisions, are they to the upside or the downside? And essentially, this indicator looks at whether analysts are generally uh, taking estimates on the individual companies up or down. And uh, they were taking them down for a pretty long time now. And what's interesting is uh, they're still taking them down. And so, but currently, if you look at the current estimates, they just turned up. The 13-week average is still heading south. So people are looking out at you know forward and saying hey you know what's going on here and look i think it's important that you understand that at the end of may this indicator had risen to, to 35% after falling to 8% in mid april and that's that's below the 10 watermark which we've seen in past recessions. so during the financial crisis this indicator stayed below 20 for 19 of the 21 weeks from 10 10 2008 to 227 of 2009 And by the way, that was, you know, we kind of said the first week of March that we thought that, you know, it was over. And uh, that was one of the reasons, uh, you know, so. But so, look, we're starting to see the turn a little bit and and we'll see, you know, we'll take it from there. Uh, I I don't know how much further, you know, the revisions will change. Uh, I think that depends on sentiment going forward. Okay, so uh, something to think about. Anyway, uh, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. I'm going to talk a little bit about Mark Mahaney, and uh, he's one of our best analysts, and, and Matt Haber, uh, and Helberg. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll be right back. This the Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, and uh, we are live. So if you have a question, you can always call in here at 216 901 0945. That's 216 901 0945. You know, uh, I, I keep talking about Mark Mahaney, and, and, and he and Matt Hedberg have just been hitting the cover off the ball in gross stocks. They just have been phenomenal. And, uh, you know, the the U.S. Marine Corps and the services now are still, you know, sending you to boot camp and working on your body big time, but they're also working on your mind. Okay. They're, they're talking about, you know, how to handle obstacles. And, uh, you know, first you, you know, you go to a developmental period where you you, you look at the, the objective and say, what do we, you know, how do we want to handle this? Then you take an assessment to see what's going on, then you you know, do some comparison and deciding. Then you implement it, and then uh, you know you, you evaluate. Okay, but look, one of the things that's important, and this is uh, this is what Mark Mahaney's his message is to you and to me. And by the way, you can listen to him on my website, WHK fourteen twenty. Go to local podcast down the. Smart investor show Tim Hayes goes directly to my website. If you go under insights, you will see a, an interview with Mark Mahaney and Janet Ingalls. This might be the last week it's on. And he talks about what just happened. And you know what? If I was an investor and I wasn't doing business with Tim Hayes, I'd be all over that. And by the way, my my clients are already involved, okay? Just so you know. But just so you know, listen. The Marine Corps has always said this, whatever can handle the rate of change, the fastest will win. That is what's going on out there, ladies and gentlemen. And Mr. Mahaney has a great new piece out called Fish Hooks to Rocket Ships. It's about the Internet. And I've sent this to a lot of my clients. And, uh, you know, he talked about there's six things that are going on out there. Uh, almost no stocks are immune. No net stocks are immune to what's going on. There are some that are going to win. Uh, they, the The COVID crisis has created structural winners. Okay, uh, internet av- advertising names have been ne- negatively impacted, uh, while online retail names have been positively impacted. And the, for structural non uh, for the non structural winners. He talks about cost and liquidity are, are now in focus. Okay. And he says rocket ships and fish hooks. And he has a list of the rocket ships and that what he calls the J curve or the, the Nike curve. And then he has some V-shaped winners. And then he has some fish hooks, which, you know, that means you're caught. Okay. And he gives you his top picks. And I'm telling you, the guy knows what he's talking about. Okay. So uh, I'll just leave it at that. Now, Look, one of the things, uh, I was reading Marty Pring this week, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, this this is kind of stuff I, this is Tim Hayes, you know, whatever. But, uh, look, part-time employees for economic reasons is a leading indicator of the labor market. And if you looked at the numbers Friday, and I was look, I was reading Marty Pring because I get his, his uh, newsletter. He's a very bright guy, by the way. The number of part-time employees uh, in that employment number Friday was phenomenal. So uh, that could be a, a leading indicator to, you know, hey, where are we going? Okay, are we going up? Is it the end of the recession? But look, uh, what I've seen, and I'm going to go over uh, Rob Schleimer in a second. You know, Rob's uh, he's a phenomenal uh, uh, technician, and and what, what he he works with Fundstrat, and you know, he used to work for RBCs. He's really good. But look, if you look at the S and P 500. And uh, you you know you, you look at the relative strength or the RSI in, increase uh, on Friday's session was above seventy two. Uh, it's in very overbought te- territory. Okay, and and then if you look at the bond market, uh, and I just use the TLT for the bond market, it, it's in a pretty much oversold area. <laughs> so uh, you can you know if, if you look at the uh, the TLT uh, chart at the end of March, it was there was a lot of dislocation in there, you know. So it'll be interesting to see. It, uh, you know, bond yields sold off this week, uh, which is you know uh, always a, a good you know a good sign that the the uh, uh, the economy is heading north. Okay, it's a positive sign that that yields because you know yields were historically low. But what I don't understand, and I've been saying this for some time, and I, I guess maybe I'm crazy, but you know, it seems like the market is one giant short squeeze. Now, let's let the shorts one in March, okay? But if you look, and I've if you've come to my office, so I've talked about this secular bull market for 16 to 18 years. Now, look within secular bull markets, there are bear markets, okay? But they tend to be short, abrupt, scary, get everybody out of the market, which we've we've had two in the last two years, 2018, we're uh, in a an actual bear market, we were down 19.8%. They occur. 1987, one of the biggest scary days I've ever had. It occurred in one of the greatest bull markets ever. And it seems like, the you know, why people go short in bull markets, I just don't know, because people tend to be buying. And look, we got the, the NDX at a new high, uh, which that kind of bugs me a little bit, simply because, uh, you know, you're looking at 75 stocks that are running things. But everybody was short, uh, you know, Boeing and American Airlines and all those names. Now I bought some Boeing and I sold it, then I bought it back, and uh, I got some people who invested. In it. I, I, I missed it this time around. I, you know, I, uh, I, I look. I sold it in the four hundred, so um, I'm in pretty good shape. But uh, it, it's what we're seeing here is uh, a lot of stocks that people never thought. I mean, American Airlines was up forty percent last week, so. I, I just don't understand why people, uh, you know, go short in, in markets like this, but uh, wh- what I was in- increasingly encouraged about was that the smaller stocks led at the bottom. Okay. And it, it you know, even uh, John Murphy and a couple other guys who, who follow this stuff, you know, the, the rotation graphs and all that stuff that uh, I think Murphy does, uh, he talked about it too. So, you know that's a that's a very positive very positive scenario so anyway the i I guess the key is is that uh look there was some short term divergence in place but long term trend and the cycle backdrop is still positive you know we talk about these four year cycles and uh you know I think pullbacks for the next several you know months probably will be shallow um uh, but, you know, we are fairly overbought here. So I think you have to be more careful with how you buy your stocks. Now, look, I think growth leadership is intact. So the outlook hasn't changed. And and it's that that's the part that bugs me. You know, growth should take a pause here. Okay. But look, Exxon was up huge. Chevron was up huge Friday. Okay. The banks, JP Morgan, you know, made three days just big moves. Okay. There was a lot of uh, the in, in, uh, you know, Emerson Electric, everybody was throwing that out to lunch. You know, you know, the dividend aristocrat was up huge, up like, like 8 $9 for the week. So the cyclicals are starting to come along, uh, and they're bottoming. Um, I guess what I would do at this point is reduce a little bit of my safety stock uh, on bounces, okay? Uh, now, the sentiment remains depressed, which is important, I think. Uh, you know, and, and Bob, Bob Schleimer is very positive about that. But I, I do believe we are beginning, uh, you know, if you revisit the four-year cycle, we've talked about this, uh, we're getting close to, the, you know, the, the, the low. So, uh, now, one of the things I do like is that the weekly momentum has turned up in the S&P 500, and the daily momentum never really sold off that much. So, it could be uh, a double dose here, you know, what we take off. Now, the advanced decline line is still not broken out yet uh, on the S&P 500. Uh, so that's the one thing I think you gotta be careful of. But look, the American Association of Bull Bear Spread still remains very depressed, and the economic uh, Citigroup economic uh, indicators way down. So growth is still kicking uh, value, but value has made a big move here. So don't get uh, you know don't get too negative on the, the the value. Remember, it takes a while for leadership to change. And the other thing is, the dollar seems to be weakening a little bit. Uh, That would be very positive for a lot of the small cap stocks and a lot of the basic material, oil, gold, that type of thing. All right. So don't forget that. Once again, oil futures did break in to that gap that occurred when Saudi Arabia and and Russia, uh, you know, played games with us. And that's a very important gap because usually you fill the gap. okay, And it's it's eight bucks, <laughs> uh, eight, nine bucks. I think from here, and I simply, it's more like 14, $15. So and gold, you know, gold looks like it's, it's, you know, it led the wave. All right. And now it's pausing a little bit and, uh, copper is starting to, you know, move ahead. And, you know, we talked about that. You can't have a, a, a recovery without copper. Trust me on that. Uh, so we are starting to see some early outperformance from some of the foreign stocks. So, I did see, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more in the next uh, scenario. So uh, but we are starting to see materials and things like that start to do better. Hey, we're going to be right back with the uh, bullish percent and all that good stuff. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. It's a beautiful Saturday afternoon out there, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope uh, you're listening to me out on the porch or something like that. Uh, Anyway, you know, as of Thursday, at the close of of Trading Thursday, Zoom had a bigger market value. Now, Zoom is the company that allows you to do uh, conferencing, internet conferencing with everybody you want to know, and it's free. except now they're they're actually going to make money on it, but its market capitalization was bigger than all the airlines combined. How about that? and we saw some interesting things happen in the last month or so so uh first of all, we had zero sectors favored <laughs> in March. We had the fastest correction ever the lar- one of the four largest corrections ever, okay. And they said, go away in May and come back another day, or come back on All Souls Day is really what it says. But this is the strongest May in a decade, and it's the fourth strongest May of all time. So, hmm, things are, strange things are happening, okay? So here we start to talk about the bullish percent, and all the bullish percent is, is an indicator that tells us what the risk is in the stock market. So this is a chart that goes from 0 to 100, and uh, it was designed by some guys that use point-figure charts, X's and O's. And uh, a column of X's basically says that we have the offensive team on the field. And then we have we go from 0 to 100, which tells us our field position. Okay, So if we're at 98, <laughs> you want to hand off to the fullback if you want to be in the equity market at all. If we're at 2, we're at 5 Back in, in March, you want to throw the long pass by the beta, okay? So right now we're well over seventy. Uh, unfortunately, I just got the I got the eleven o'clock uh, as of Thursday. We were at sixty seven point eight. We were up eight point six for the week. I think with Friday we're well over seventy. We were over seventy as of eleven o'clock. Unfortunately, I can't get into uh, Dorsey's. Uh, Uh, webpage right now, so I I can't tell you the exact number right now, but it's well over 70. 70 is the red zone. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean the stock market can't go up further and it might take a month to get out of the red zone, but it's where you have to pay more attention. Okay. Everybody's greedy right now. You should be careful. Okay. Wait for the stock to come back to you. It's hard. I'm telling you. I, I, uh, you know, I'm trying to get some people invested. I have several new clients uh, who have sent me money, and I, you know, it's it's hard because how do you get them invested when the market opens up 700 points higher? You know, when you want to buy the banks and they all gap up five percent for the day, it's hard. But we are well over 70. That means the New York Stock Exchange bullish percent is not the red zone. I emphasize that, okay? It's in the it's in the red zone. Now, the over-the-counter index, which is the smaller names, and this is what I was talking about. I like seeing the smaller names do better. Remember, you don't want to fight the war with just the kings and the knights. You want the archers, you want the foot soldiers coming ahead, and they seem to be. was up 4% and is only at 53. Maybe that's the place you should be looking. The world index was up 5.9% for the week. It's in a column of Xs now at 53.8. Those are good places to buy. So maybe, you know, like I said earlier, that some of the international Xs are where you want to go. So what we had is all the major BP ind- indicators advanced over the week, which is very positive. Now, I'm not saying that tomorrow or the next day the bullish percent is going to turn down and, and go straight down. It can stay up here for a while. That's the way it works. Okay? Uh, Look, I've, I've seen the bullish percent stay over 70 for almost six months. So, you know, you're just going to know that you got to be smarter about how you buy things now than you were before. Okay. So, all the major positive trend indicators moved higher into column of X's. That's great. The high lows, uh, which are, you know, pretty far up there, uh, if you look at all of them, they're at 84%. The New York Stock Exchange is 82 and the over the counters is 80, 86. So, We are starting to see some pretty overbought readings. That doesn't mean anything's, you know, it's the end of the world or anything. But I did notice that uh, fixed income jumped over cash this week in the dynamic asset level investing. So if you're looking by vote, okay, fixed income is number one. Cash is number two. Domestic equities are number three. Currencies are number four. Commodities are number five. Commodities had nine new votes. So watch those because if the dollar does go down, that'll be an interesting one to play. And internationally equities, which were second in second place just three months ago, got killed. They're now in last place. But they had a positive eight votes this week. So, um, you know, one thing that's been extremely difficult in this market has been the speed and velocity to which the market corrected and the subsequent recovery, as well as the narrowness of the leadership. So you got to to put the speed in perspective. By the way, it just took twenty two days to fall twenty percent from. The, the February 19th high, it was the fastest 20% correction ever. In, 19, in 2008, it took nine months for that. Uh, it, in you know, two, uh, 2002, it took six months, okay? So the correction also came off a rather strong move, higher in, in equities uh, after the December 2008 low. So it, it was a double jeopardy type of thing. This is a v-shaped recovery. This is what Tom Lee spoke about, you know that's why I featured him on my show uh, a month ago because he's right. you know he's with Funstrat and he's a really great uh, and he was with Morgan Stanley and then went to Funstrat and he, and he knows his stuff. I talk about him quite a bit on this show. so but you know when you have historic rallies uh, of 20%, this was one of the fastest ones. So uh, you know it took 16 days. Uh, there's been one at 14 days that, that occurred in 2009. Uh, we had one three days that occurred in in 1933. We had one of 18 days back in 1938. Uh, we had one of seven days and that was back in 29. So in modern day history, this is the fastest sell off and fastest recovery ever. All right. So look, we had 47 buy signals separating domestic equities from the number two asset class. And, uh, there were 14 domestic equities. Uh, charts with, within the Dolly that are within 5% return to a buy signal. So Friday might have done that. And so they might be number two now. But uh, what I've seen is the Dow Jones went positive, the EEM. I'm just talking about the trend now. The EEM went positive. The EFA went positive. Those are your international ones. The EEM is the emerging markets. The EF is the more uh, sophisticated international markets. Uh, the Both the mid-cap and the small-cap have gone to a positive trend. That's very positive. And we know that the, the large, the XLG, uh, the spot, you know, the S&P 500, and the QQQs have all been positive for some time now. That's, that's very, you know, it's, it's good. Um, so emerging markets, we're starting to see some things I like. I did notice that the small cap stocks broke their downtrend line, then broke a double top. That's, that's what we want to see. Uh, and so the mid caps did that, you know, last week, and that's very positive. Uh, you know, so you're, you're starting to see some stuff like, uh, you know, like I'm looking at the IJH and, and the IJH is uh, uh, mid-cap and, you know, that broke its downtrend lane, broke a double top and broke another double top. So the mid-caps are participating, the small caps are participating. We have 30 sectors that are now favored. So uh, I'm just going to go over these quickly. These are the most overbought. Gaming, Vegas opened last week. Semiconductors. 75. Autos, building, housing, and aerospace at 70. At 65 is software and leisure, business, chemicals, internet, textiles, and protection services. At 60, real estate, re- uh, retail, electronics, restaurants, electric utilities, and biotech. Here's a place you might want to buy some things. Forest and paper products and financials at 50. At at 48 is gas utilities, healthcare, drugs, uh, non-ferrous metals, precious metals, computers, telecom. At 44, these are even better oil, and at 40, oil service. All right, so uh, we had quite a few sectors move around a little bit here. So uh, uh, pay close attention to that because you know you want to see you know biotech, which was very favored, electronics, internet, they all move just to favored status. Protection services, which was unfavored, moved to favored, and then most favored are oil service and retail couple moved up to average, insurance, transportation, steel, and savings and loans and banks, which were down and out, have moved up. So slowly but surely, we're getting this. Now, in the international market, the EFA broke, it, it broke its downtrend line. So that's getting healthier. And then the EEM has broken its downtrend line, uh, broke a double top and its downtrend line last week. So internationally, though, that's kind of interesting. You want to, uh, you know, look, if the dollar goes down international stocks will go up, okay? And the dollar has broken its uptrend line again to so the second or third time. So, uh, you know, that's something you have to pay attention to. We are seeing that the weekly momentum on crude oil has been positive for eight, uh, six, eight, six weeks, I'm sorry, and most of the commodity insects indexes seven to eight weeks, where gold's been four. So gold led the way. Copper's been seven weeks and corn's been five weeks. So, you know, copper and oil, you uh, Oil's still below its uptrend line, uh, downtrend line, by the way. So it, it, it's got some ways to go. But the fact that it broke into the gap is very, very positive, I think. Uh, so it's probably going back up to where its downtrend line is. If it breaks through there, that'd be very good. As far as weekly relative uh, strength changes, there's been some interesting ones this week. Uh, and look, relative strength is just simply, uh, you compare a stock's performance to the S&P 500 equal weighted index. And if it's on a buy signal, you want to pay attention to these because sometimes this can last for years. I mean, this this happened with Danaher back in two, 2000. It was unbelievable. Alcoa, American uh, Semiconductor, EPR Properties, Guess, The Gap, Harsco, Designer Brands, Discovery Financial, Lenar, Modine, Neighbors, Nat 10 Properties, Capri Holdings. Quick Logic, uh, by the way, those are interesting charts. Royal Caribbean, uh, Cruise Lines, Strum, Strum Ruger, uh, SkyWest, Semtech, Bancorp, Triumph Group, L Brands, Geospace, SeaWorld, Fox Factory, Navigator Group, Veritiv, uh, Orion, uh, Nankwest, Caldera, Yext, Outer Al- Engineering, which is software. We have some great reports on those, by the way. Delphi, USX Expresses, which is in trucking, Maxar, which is uh, in... In the, uh, 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 I'm sorry, that they, they do, do business with Boeing on the cell side. CBM eight eight by eight FCN Harmonic Light Occidental Petroleum Motorola Solutions GTT Communications MacroGenics Cellular Bi- Biomedicine TeleDoc Simply Foods Motorola Solutions. All right, so those guys you want to be checking your fundamentals. Okay, so. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It just means you got to check your fundamentals. I am noticing the REITs are starting to come back, and uh, that's an area where you can make quite a bit of money. Uh, So, you know, stay tuned on that. Uh, I think uh, I hear the music. So we'll be right back with uh, Insiders and a little bit from Bob Dickey. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Little Almond Brothers to start the afternoon. There we go. So um this is where we talk about insiders. And uh what I'm trying to do is I've talked about the economy, I've moved my way down to some technical uh indicators on the market. Now, you know, we talked about relative strength buys, okay? You gotta pay attention to those, you gotta pay attention to the insider buys. Why? Insiders know the companies better than we do. It's that simple. And you know, it's it's very, very simple simple big buys mean they're really putting their money to work and you know you can sell insider stock for a lot of reasons you want to buy a Porsche Carrera okay you want to buy a new house you want to buy a, a place on the on the coast okay but when you buy you buy for one reason only and that's to make money just remember that remember I'm looking for just big buys here. That's number one. Number two, I'm looking for multiple buys. Okay, so remember these guys are early; they're always early. Okay, I'll just remember that. Uh, Jeff Uben has bought uh, Vector IQ Acquisition Corp. Now, this was a $10 stock back in April. Now, 34, and he just bought $50 million worth. Okay, so. Uh, that was as of June 3rd. Now, I think this might he might have a lower price involved, you know, so he might be selling some of this sometime in the near future. And Mitchell Rails, if you don't know who he is, he's the chairman of the executive committee for Danaher. And he just stepped up to the plate at $165 and bought 141,000 shares or $23.3 million worth of stock. Danaher is, I've owned Danaher for a long time. And then a Formula One group, we have our good friend Ted Weschler, who again bought uh, another $16 million worth. Now he's been buying a lot of this, okay? And then uh, Sprague Resources, this is a a master limited partnership and uh, the director of deputization, which I think is the company, bought $10 million worth of their own stock, which is great, you know?
0: And then we had,
1: Allogene Therapeutics, uh, it backed off from about 55 to 43, and uh, the uh, uh, a director, Ari Bell-Dagrin, uh, bought $6.7 million worth of stock. And then we also had another biotech, uh, Personalis, uh, where Lightspeed Venture Partners, you know, Lightspeed, they usually should. They're a 10% owner. They bought another $5.4 million worth. And then uh, I also think there was one more. Uh, they, they made another purchase uh, of another million. So they're they're getting more aggressive. And then our friend Christian Asmar, who's a director at Avid Technologies, bought another $5 million worth. Then he bought another $1.2 million worth, but several, obviously. Then he bought about $976,000 worth. Uh, one more. <laughs> Hold on. I got to find it here. Uh, Well, he he bought one more time. I think it was $250,000 worth. So uh, he bought quite a bit. Uh, You know, you'd like to see multiple purchases. Um, Also, this is Ascent Group, which is a mortgage finance in in Bermuda. I I think we did a a deal here, and the chairman, CEO, Mark Casal, and president bought $1.6 million. By the way, you should look up his name. He's a very smart guy. Also, Select Insurance Group. Uh, William Rue, who's a uh, director, bought the $1.3 okay? And now we have one here. It's kind of interesting. Uh, La-, La Jolla Pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, it sold off this week, or last week, I guess it was, because of a drug that had to do with uh, uh, malaria. Uh, somebody else got a approval, and they used the same compound. And you know what? I looked up, and I didn't see anything, you know, that uh, I think that's like three years away, but they have other stuff that's closer So Kevin Tang, who's a very smart guy, uh, bought another $1.2 million worth. Then he bought another million dollars worth. Then he bought another $714,000 worth. Uh, and he owns a ton of it. I mean, I think he's up to 22% or something like that. And then, um, RCM Technologies, a little dollar stock, but I noticed that the uh, executive chairman president, uh, Bradley visa, uh, he bought uh, a million dollars worth. He always likes seeing that. And then, uh, you know, uh, UPS, we had uh, the uh, chief executive officer, Carol Tomei. She bought a million dollars worth, and you always like to see the, the CEO buy. Uh, also, uh, CBAC Energy Technology, i not exactly sure. I was trying to figure out what this company does, but Yunfei Li, uh, the CEO, bought a uh, million dollars worth. So uh, now a couple other things that I've seen, is, uh, Avram Glazer, who's a uh, pretty famous guy, uh, bought HC2 Holdings, it's a little telecom company, three bucks, it Bought $800,000 worth. OK, so uh, uh, that's a pretty big chunk of change there. Now, a couple other names. And we talked about Greg Gresh last week and he bought uh, $5.4 million worth of Upworks. And here we have six others. That averaged about 12,000, you know, some bought as many as 25,000, but it turned out to be $1.4 million worth of up Upwork. So we not only had uh, a new member of the board buy, but we had six, uh, people who are in the operating company buy. That's always uh, important. And here's, he here was a shocker. Uh, LC9 Skipper, which is, uh, a company that does a lot in the transportation uh, business. They bought, uh, 11.4% of Norwegian cruise lines. <laughs> and uh, also uh, you know, just a, a kind of a shock, you know, you, you don't see that very often. So, uh, you know, I, I just think it's interesting that these guys are uh, buying cruise lines at this time. You know, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, most people <laughs> don't think about. Okay. So, Look, we, we talked about uh, Bob Dickey last week showed uh, that, you know, value was still underperforming growth, but it was pretty drastic on the downside. And this week was kind of a change. So it'll be interesting to see what Bob says. Uh, but the long-term trend of value versus growth is still in a position of underperformance. So uh, I think you got to keep that in mind. Um, so maybe this value trade is a, is a, is the value scenario is a trade, I think in order for the growth to go away, those 75 stocks that have led the way for the last seven years, you know, if you didn't own them, you, you weren't there, uh, have to start to either go sideways or go down. That's my opinion. So I, I think that's important. Now, a couple other things that uh, I think, I think, you know, we're getting close to the top of the range here. Uh, and, you know, we, I, Bob Dickey was talking about the, you know, 2300 to 2350 areas as a bottom, but I think we broke through uh, on, on Friday. Uh, you know, it, it was obviously a pretty significant uh, move up, uh, you know, eight eight 829 points doesn't happen very often. So we did get to uh, 27,000 a lot quicker than I think Bob was expecting <laughs> or anybody else was, but it was a surprise. Uh, you know, the the news on Friday, that employment number was huge. And by the way, if I were a Democrat, I'd be starting to worry. So, uh, so we got right up to where, um, you know, we're right at the target that Bob talked about. And he said, you know, look, uh, one of the things that Bob likes to do is, you know, be a contrarian. And, you know, he said the market continued to rise in spite of ongoing negative news and large Man, there's still a large amount of pessimism in the news. And I think so many people are on the sidelines. That's the big problem. There's so much money on the sidelines. Remember, there's $4 trillion in money market. That's an all-time high. Okay, And we've had almost $7 trillion leave the stock market and go to bonds in the last 20 years, since so 2009. You know, they just kept, market kept going up and they kept going to bonds. And by the way, I don't think you're, you know, I mean, look, the the 10-year yield on Friday was at 0.9%. Yes, that's correct. It's 1%, okay? So how are you going to retire on that? Now, your money may be safe, maybe, okay, but maybe not. So I think, you know, at this 27-300 level, this is where Bob said we were going, and he's been right. So... Uh, You know, I I think you have to pay, you know, some homage to them a little bit. But I also have to think: have we gone too far too fast? I don't know. All I'll say is this: is that is that we have an opportunity here. Uh, We'll see what goes on over the next couple of weeks. We are over seventy on the bullish percent, so we're in the red zone. That doesn't mean you have to sell everything, okay? just means we're overbought for the time being. And I think, uh, you know, you have to be paying attention. So, look, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, boy, there's some really good-looking stocks there uh, that, you know, have great uh, dividends uh, and and et cetera. Don't forget, it's a great time to take out credit, Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, the Wealth Plan, and the Family Inventory Workbook. Time to get your financial house in order. And for all you business owners out there, if you're transitioning, we've got a great guide to it. I highly recommend it. Uh, just remember, if you want any of these, go to WHK 1420, local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. It goes right to my webpage. There's all sorts of contact me, email me. Don't forget, on Insights, there's all sorts of good information there, and it's timely. Don't forget Mark Mahaney's interview. I think it's earth-shattering, my humble opinion. I think it's earth-shattering. What he's talking about makes sense. Remember, there's fish hooks. I mean, there's there's the, the Nike logo and rocket ships, and he's got plenty of them. Thanks for listening. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high.